Tonight we are talking about a movie I am so excited for and one of your favorites. It is Little Women. Will you take it away with the synopsis for us? So the premise is, in the years after the Civil War, Jo March lives in New York and makes her living as a writer while her sister Amy studies painting in Paris. Amy has a chance encounter with Theodore, a childhood crush who proposed to Jo but was ultimately rejected. Their oldest sibling, Meg, is married to a school teacher, while shy sister Beth develops a devastating illness that brings the family back together. I'm so excited that you watched it yesterday, because that is just like the fresh energy that's coming off. I can't wait to get was... to breathe. Yes. Well, I feel like I need to let everybody else in. <clears throat> so Katie watched it for the first time yesterday. I wanted a live tweet update basically in text message to me and then decided that this needed to be a live on the podcast debrief that that was wiser but I did request just a little bit I just needed to know I needed to know immediately um call me Gen Z but um here is exactly all that's been said thus far between us two after Katie's viewing she rated it for us 15 out of 10, strong. That's a strong lead-in right there. And then, and I quote, cried at least twice, love stories about women's relationships, want to read the book ASAP. And that's a strong debrief. Strong. I was very pleased to get that text message. I was a fluttering inside my heart, inside my mind. <laughs> fluttering. <laughs> It really took all of my restraint in the world not to like ask more or call you or FaceTime you or get FaceTimed into it. So the movie brings in, in the book, um, where it has moments where it kind of plays with the fourth wall a little bit with the movie version of the fourth wall and that it kind of gives like a little wink to the author because it is semi-autobiographical um, in nature. It was published in 1868, so um, right following the Civil War, and so it is semi-autobiographical in nature, um, and it addresses that in the dialogue, and again, so seamlessly, like, and I, saying it, I'm like, I think that would bother me, and then it, doesn't at all when you're watching it live time but um the main character like we said it's an ensemble cast but the main character is joe march and um it's kind of funny because she has a moment where she says that she won't be forgotten after she's dead because of her writing she is an author in the movie too and so that connection where it's like i do feel like i know the author of the book and have a huge appreciation and connectivity to her um, through her work. And so it was written by Louisa May Alcott mm -hmm. and it has been adapted at least 12 times. Um, it, there was a silent film in 1918 um, and then it had another adaptation in 1933 with uh, Catherine Hepburn and then it had another adaptation in 1949 with June Allison. It had another adaptation in 1994 with Riona Ryder. And then now this version of it, um, which just had these powerhouses, but Shershaw Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, Laura Dern, Meryl Streep, many others, um, all a part of it. And it was directed by Greta Gerwig, which mm -hmm. if that's tingling, she deserves to be known. So if that does not ring a bell, it should look her up, be a part of it. Um, but she has directed my other, one of my other favorite movies, which is Lady Bird. Another also one, just one. like, <laughs> it just hits home. It just, 
in, in so many unexpected ways, I think that's the hard part sometimes with representation is you're like, I didn't realize in so many ways how I haven't seen myself reflected in media until you do and you do it and it's done so well. And yes, I think, uh, <laughs> such a simple reflection of that is in Ladybird when her and her mom are shopping and they're fighting, like they're fighting so much. And the, I don't, I don't remember what it, but like one of them holds up an outfit and is like, oh, that's cute. And then they go on and then they're happy again. And then just like that relationship with your mother, I relate to that a hundred percent. But yeah, those, those stories don't get reflected. It's like those little moments that really hit home that you don't see because you just see the big points of people's lives and movies. And, uh. Yeah, I, it's called The Splice of Life. And there's different medias that are written specifically to highlight that and then others who are meant to be more encompassing. And I am a huge proponent of the splice of life. Like I want to see like the day in, day out, nitty gritty of it all. Those little moments because that builds and makes the whole thing worth it for me that you will get my 100% buy-in. But obviously that takes a lot of time and patience and it doesn't resonate for other people. Um, so this is one of the books that we literally tried reading it for like an entire year. and we did not make it like even a quarter of the way through it because we would keep forgetting and then we'd have to reset and then we really didn't make it anywhere. So I had very little knowledge or expectations after doing that when I was like five years old to it coming out in 2019 with this adaptation, the most recent one. Um, and my brother and his girlfriend and I are AMC Movie Pass members, so we can see up to three movies a week, um, and we pay like a monthly subscription fee to do that. So I, they live in Kansas City, we live in Des Moines, so that's like a three-hour stretch. I would drive down, we would see one Friday night, and then potentially fit all three in. A lot of times it was just two, but <laughs> it was a commitment. It was a commitment. Monthly, I would go down there, and we would specifically try to get the value out of our AMC Movie Pass with my presence. Um, so this is one of those moments, and <laughs> um, I cried the entire time. Like, I think within 20 minutes in, I was crying, and tears did not stop flowing for both Anna and I the entire time. And you said you cried at least twice. Yeah, yeah, at the end, um, Josh said something to me. Or like he, he like looked at me because I had been crying, you know, at least the second time for a long stretch. And um, he like was looking at me and I was like, stop looking at me. Let me have my time. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't understand that that was, it was, I was so invested in their stories that I like, mm, it was so emotional for me. Yeah. Yeah, so I just rewatched it too in preparation for this episode. I've seen it numerous times at this point. Um, but I just rewatched it with a friend that um, I met through our young professionals group here in Des Moines. And we've developed a really great friendship over like the net last nine months. And we do a book club. We started that during quarantine. So we do like a weekly FaceTime and we do book club. And our book club has ever so slightly adapted. Now, that was the first movie I was like, I need to rewatch this. And she was like, I'll watch that with you. And she and I have like such opposite reactions to everything that I was really prepared for her to hate it. I was like, I just talked this up so much. And like, she's a feminist, like she's so great. But I was just like, for whatever reason, this is just gonna like not hit home with her. And I, it's gonna be so embarrassing because I'm gonna be crying over on the other side of the sofa. <laughs> and <laughs> I held it together the most I've ever held it together watching the movie. And I'm like, okay, Mary, here's where the tears are starting. And she's like looking at the screen concerned. She's looking at me concerned. She was like, is it about to get really sad? And I was like, oh no, I cry at like the sisterhood of it. Like I cry at like, <laughs> it's heartfelt for me. Like I just, I feel it in my soul. It's like happy tears. And she's like, oh, <laughs> okay. I thought like, I, she's like, I was ready for so much like, just like for it to be 
cutting like almost and I was like no it's it's really warm and like it has its sad moments but it's all so optimistic that it just and it's so real and it's so genuine and it's so thorough and I just it's so strange because it's not present day and there's just like you would think there are so many barriers but there's just like this timelessness in the story that's being told and the characters that are being presented yeah it's funny you mentioned that you're an only child and that relationship to consider and I saw the movie with my brother and I had a huge reaction because my brother and I are he's like my person in this world and so he's like such an important sibling and relationship to me and then to have him not have nearly as much of a reaction because he wasn't he's not a woman I think is there was a barrier to it all but I'm curious to see how much of a dynamic it is that like it's just not his first-hand experiences in the world and he I, I think I'm really candid with him about, like, a woman's perspective and, like, my life experiences, and I would think that he would be able to extend that viewpoint considering how close we are and we're close in age and we shared a lot of our cultures and our environments and all those things, but I don't know. I think maybe there is a part of him that um, just he won't get it. And With little women, it's, I don't I don't know what it is, maybe just being a woman and having so many similar experiences across some barriers too. Like this story was written 150 years ago. So it being so incredibly relevant to our lives today and being on the same page as other women and having like different experiences that are just as important and different wants in our lives for some reason crossing that gender barrier it, it doesn't work like it doesn't i i feel it so deeply but i don't understand how a man can't <laughs> yeah i would really love to hear a man's perspective who did was able to emphasize and then figure out kind of what elements might help have helped contribute to that but I do think this is a movie that will be deeply felt for a lot of women and a little harder for men to see the significance in which I guess inherently is a huge thematic thing that it approaches um, as it really does a great job of not only telling a really interesting story with really interesting deep full strong complex women but it also does have this really connective reflective societal view that gets brought into the storyline and it's so seamless and it's so flawless and it's like so hard you would think because you don't want to be cognitively thinking about it and like then feel like you're in the experience of what it is to experience live something day in day out live life day in day out but just the connectivity it was so seamless um we were talking about the storylines and how it was a little bit semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. what i didn't realize that the endings were kind of alternate endings until I was doing research on it today. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? No, I want you to elaborate. Okay, so we see um, Jo as the author sitting in her publisher's office and they're talking about the book and he's like, as he's been telling her throughout this whole time, you know, the ending, the woman needs to get married or die. Like that's the only way it'll sell. Um, And she kind of pushes back at him and then they, in the office come up with this story so it flashes to an alternate ending where joe goes to marry um somebody else she like chases after him they kiss in the rain under an umbrella that's the last, last chapter of the book that they decide is called under the umbrella um and then we flash to joe like negotiating her contract watching the book get created like literally like bound the type faces pressed and she like has her book in hand and we also see her in an alternate ending which is true to the story of the book actually 
marrying this man or opening up a like school for boys and girls alike to get an education in a boarding house and her living this like actual I don't know typical fairy tale ending with her sisters and her parents and lives that life but the nod back to Louisa May Scott or Alcott's actual life is that she didn't have that happy fairy tale ending she died at like in her 50s and I mean she was a well-known author among like Emerson and Thoreau and at least in her lifetime she was well known but she was a spinster like she was alone and that was what it was but I didn't realize when I watched it that those two endings kind of went separate ways I thought that they were at the same time and I thought that was beautiful that because you could have your career and you could have that like love and you could chase both things but then finding out today that apparently you couldn't a little devastating a little devastating yeah. I'll be but, a spencer with you, Katie. Oh God, thank you. <laughs> to get rid of Josh. <laughs> right. Well, maybe he shouldn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I love you too. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's kind of trippy because you could make the ending whatever you wanted it to be then at that point. It's true. It's so interesting. I didn't see them as competing endings, but other people have viewed it and totally did. They're like, okay, so she either, you know, she worked out this deal and you got to see what that kind of like live that out looks like, but also like she got the book made and that was like substantive. And it was funny because I felt like they were presented in equally substantial ways. So like if you were to choose either or, it was interesting to see intuitive to the viewer, which one you felt was like the more important one to be right. But I was like you, where I was like, you can have your cake and eat it too, and you can do both, and it was so good for my soul that once harmony, like, that was, like, the ultimate resolution that, like, the whole family got to be together and find really fulfilling lives, like, the scene where you get to see that she had, like, the alternate ending for the book, the book coming into life, that her sisters got to live out the things that they love to do as kids and share that with the school children and build that into the curriculum they're teaching. And they have this full house and just like, <sighs> there wasn't like a more satisfying ending for me. It couldn't have been. And so it is devastating. <laughs> and it's also an interesting new age adaptation and almost kind of a reversal to what I would have suspected. Like, I feel like it's very like, 2010s ish to be like you can have it all and it's called balance and like you can have the career and the kids and you can run it all because you're a boss lady I feel like feminism has upticked in the narrative where it's like you you will have a substantial life whether you have a partner whether you have you know children whether you whatever path it is for you it can be really important and substantial and it's not reliant on these other dynamics at play so yes, I think it's and interesting that they weren't proposed as competing arguments and almost a moderate narrative to present and have shared and this film that was really power like a powerhouse film of representation and consideration of these feelings I feel like ultimately some of the conclusions or the through lines in which it almost gets you to your conclusion was not radical. Like, like I think my dad could watch it and not be scared. He's very concerned about the grandchildren situation. <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> I've been a little too vocal about. <laughs> That's another really long story. <laughs> I I'm not closed off to the idea of children. I should say. That. <laughs> <laughs> but at uh, some points in my life they seem terrible <laughs> they just seem like no upside <laughs> right uh no I think the ending was empowering because like we saw her we saw Joe choose her endings um she made those decisions she could choose to chase Frederick and make that happen or she could she, I mean, she did write this whole manuscript, like, 
she could choose to submit it and keep it her own story or change it. And we get to choose as the viewer, which is something that we don't get to do often. Or if it is, it's in a very like cliche, awkward way. It's very empowering that way. Wow. My, one of my favorite scenes is he is reviewing some of her work and he's giving her some constructive feedback <laughs> and she reacts very poorly to it and she's lashing out at him and he is just taking it like a champ and he's agreeing with her and but still keeping his feedback he's like I still think this but like the world's never gonna remember me I don't I didn't care to she's like you could never write this no I'm I'm not a writer I, I couldn't write this <laughs> she's like you and me we're not friends and she storms out <laughs> I had so much respect for both of them. I was like, I see you, Joe. But thank you, Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So what do you think Greta Gerwig wanted, as a director, wanted us, the viewers, to get from her version of this movie? That's a really good question um I was thinking a lot about what this meant in modern day and I kept coming back to the concept of strong women may we know them may we be them may we raise them and I felt like this was such significant storytelling along those lines of I mean, it just feels like family. Like, it just feels like we know them and what does it mean to be in sisterhood and even not direct sisterhood, although that's what the manifestation is in the movie. And that's where my thoughts are prevailing in that realm. Do you, do you have any thoughts, Katie? No, I would agree with you. <laughs> You asked me a question you didn't have an answer to. No, I wanted to see what you thought. <laughs> I'm so obnoxious. I assume there's a right answer to everything, and that people are just asking to test me. And so I want to. Sometimes I do really search to like meet whatever I think they have in their brain, but sometimes I'm like, here's my answer. Like, is that right? <laughs> Was it close? Anything is right. <laughs> cool. Oh my god, there are no rules. will say I got so frustrated I think with some of the twists or emotions that the women felt um like Meg you got frustrated I did I At did them for having them yeah I was frustrated with and I think it is like a personal reflection right I was frustrated we're not with, allowed to have them <laughs> Well, like, like Meg was buying like expensive fabric and they didn't have money. And then she was complaining about being poor. And I was like, I don't have a lot of money right now to spend on fun things. Like, I shouldn't You did the Midwestern shutdown. You just pretend like you don't want it. Exactly. You tell yourself you don't want it. I had not a similar reaction, but I had a moment where I was like, that's my Fabletics subscription. <laughs> I forget to skip a month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, I just, I temporarily lost my own wallet, and I was like, oh, I should just double check, but no, he's, like, spending money on it, and so I didn't leave it anywhere, like, actually could get stolen, and P.S., like, look at where I last spent money, and I had my Fabletics subscription come out, I was like, I forgot this month, <laughs> but now I'm kind of excited, I'm like, oh, money's gone, <laughs> might as well spend it, free clothes, <laughs> it's true, that's how it works, right? <laughs> so I am with book of the month, free books. Not really. Not really. Uh, what are other places where you were like, I'm frustrated with them? This is a silly, frivolous thing to be feeling or thinking. Or um, the whole like Amy being in love with Lori after Joe was like seemingly, seemingly obviously the one for him. Um, growing up, just like it all led up to that point, they'd known each other for probably like ten years or something like that. I couldn't really tell. But um, then, like, 
Amy's like, I loved you the whole time. I loved you my whole life. So yes, of course I love you. It's not fair of you to come to Paris and tell me. I'm like, we didn't see any of that. None of it. I don't think. You didn't see any of her loving him? Like, before, I didn't think. Oh, Did I miss that? Yeah, you missed it. It's kind of subtle. A little bit. Like, when she begs to come along, like, you just assume she's begging to come along because she wants to be with her sisters and, like, be in the mix. Oh. Some of that's preface on Lori. And then there is a particular scene where she's making that mold of her foot because Meg had sprained her ankle and she wants to show Lori that she has really good ankles that wouldn't get hurt. Oh. Yeah. It comes out in dialogue a couple of times where she... It's kind of subtle because so much of it is studying the preface of him and Joe together, but it is there. Well, that settles it. I have to watch it again. <laughs> That's what my motto was and continues to be. <laughs> you should start a Greta Gerwig fan club. I'm and... in. Okay. I could dedicate it. my life to her. I'd be totally fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> you, when I was like researching for this conversation, found out that she was pregnant while shooting. Like, she didn't tell anyone until after. I think I've read that somewhere, but I didn't remember much about it, and I really didn't remember until you brought it up. I would not have, like, brought it up myself. I feel like, I, not that I've ever been a pregnant woman, but I feel like I would cry all the time. <laughs> Creating this beautiful masterpiece and having a beautiful human growing inside of you. That sets kind of suck <laughs> as a person who's been a production assistant like it's great there's a lot of really great things but if I was pregnant and on a set I would be I mean craft at least there's crafty you know at least <laughs> at least I'm being fed <laughs> but it's ridiculously long days I can't imagine doing that with swollen ankles and producing life it would just be I don't know I would not be somebody you want to work with I wouldn't be able to create there would be no movie <laughs> I shouldn't say that. God, women can do anything, okay? And that includes myself. I shouldn't talk that narrative. But we can't always have it all, Mackenzie. <laughs> That's not what the movie told me. <laughs> um, I was also reading about Greta Gerwig's, like, directing style. Yeah. Um, about how she kind of let the, char- the actors act out the scenes however they felt it was right like she would ask did you feel good about that after a scene was completed so that they could you know really feel good about what they did and give their all to each each moment and like allow space for those things to really be happen organically yeah i had not read that Mad respect, especially with time period things to be in consideration, and like, I mean, I think that was felt like those personal connections and what needs to happen for that magic to hit. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, Um, do you? So the title is Little Women. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly. Um, the only time we hear the term little women is when the dad comes back from war. Yes. What is the significance of him calling them little women and then it being the book's title? I've been mulling this one over and I still don't have a firm answer, but I, I was kind of anti that situation because I was like, okay, so a man's defining the main character like isn't this a feminism movie (laughs) um and I still haven't really gotten beyond that where I'm like I I I don't know I don't know how to digest that and it was really interesting having them be and, and Jesse's not understanding the movie the majority of the time, being very confused. It really was them hitting, them doing the specialty scene at the very end where it's the little girls hitting the teacups. That he was like, oh, that was them for half the movie. They were just, they just oh, didn't switch out the characters. And then Anna helped add contact. I mean, totally post-movie, but she was like, yeah, in the play, there's two sets of 
there's a younger version of the girls and the older version of the girls and they switch at intermission or whatever it is like <laughs> it just seems like that makes a lot more sense <laughs> he was like i was confused why like, they were acting as childish as they were at some point mm-hmm. i was like oh god <laughs> yeah he really needs to rewatch it <laughs> but i think it was interesting to have the little women as much as i don't know if i love the dad being the person who defined it i loved the contradiction between the title and then having these complete women present very authentic experiences at younger ages and older ages but be who they you know their full-grown selves the entire time I thought that was really interesting it's like summiting it like like I mean I don't know it like it validated the younger emotions especially with how raw and genuinely they were brought forward in those moments and dynamics created in the scenes but I don't know there's a part of me that's contradictory to that and says like why can't we see young girls put on outstanding performances and find them substantial too so I don't Katie you're giving me book club questions about a movie and I appreciate it So I have a question for you. So we talked a little bit about sisterhood and I think there are definitely a few different themes that come through, um, several themes. Um, but one that I really felt represented in my experience of coming to age and well, first of all, let's do this in a Buzzfeed quiz manner. Which sister are you, Katie? <laughs> or are there multiples that you kind of jumped between? I knew you were going to come with this. Um, uh, let me think here. You need a reminder of names. No, no. I am not an Amy. I'm just not. Um, I think when I was younger, I was shy like Beth. Um, and more withdrawn, just quiet. But now I think the like responsibility side of Meg mixed with some like very strong principled or principles and headstrong ways of living of Joe. I think I'm a weird, I'm a combination of that. Mm. Because I catch myself a lot of times when I'm, I don't know. Let me try. Okay. Um, I think I see there was a scene where Meg was at the debutante ball and she was like acting like somebody she wasn't and she's asked Lori not to tell Joe. And I feel like I'm on both sides of that. Like I can sometimes be the biggest critic of the people that I love. Um, if they're not following in line with who I think they are and who, what like potential I think they have. But at the same time, I do like to get lost in like those different roles in my life, mm. you know, and those new experiences. So. That was an interesting well, way to pull that through. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there is a Buzzfeed quiz about it. We could have taken it a more technical algorithm rather than self-reflection. Um, that's not um, how personality yes. tests work. That's not how anything works. <laughs> yes, I chose one, two, one, four, six, and <laughs> that made me Meg Joe. <laughs> okay, which which sister do you think you are? Well, I'm really glad that you had a semi-similar reaction to me where I was like Beth I was really shy up until it's about six or seven and then I would say I went through a little bit more of a girly phase that maybe would be more of a reflection of Meg where like I wanted to have nicer things or like things I perceived as nicer um and like dress up and do some of those girlier aspects which some of the sisters rotate through doing and then I started the movie thinking I'm Joe like Joe's great like 
Joe and I, like, we get it. And when we circle back to themes, I can tell you, like, what that connection is between Joe and I. But ultimately, my resolution is, I think I'm Amy. Really? I do. There's, and throughout the whole arc of her story, even, I, like, I can see different elements of myself come through in my own coming of age story where I was like, well, especially with her having her Paris moment where she also has moments where she's very realistic about the future and maybe a little hard on it. And I was like, you know, she goes from like a huge idealist that wants to be heard and seen and feels a lot and lives a lot and like is a romantic and kind of fantasizing. And I could see like some of my younger self that I didn't own as well about my personal journey. And then she having kind of that hard talk with herself and being like, you are going to work on this skill. And if that doesn't really work out, you have a backup plan. It's going to be very practical and it is what it is sort of thing. And trying to sway that as being like, you're being smart and savvy by doing this other plan. And then kind of the softening of the resolution of, okay, like the world is, can be better and brighter than you're giving it credit for sometimes. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> you're just spitting out your water. No, you just brought so much more depth to the character. I felt like didn't have as much as I wanted her to, you know? Yeah, I... I think there was a hesitation with picking, like, Amy and, like, being able to, and I was critical of Amy, and I think that's how you know, is when you're a little offended that that's going to be your character, or, like, you're hesitant about picking it for yourself. Mackenzie, shit, I was like, I am not Amy <laughs> at first, and, and I saw your eyes, you were like, interesting. It's me. <laughs> um, but I will say thematically why I related so heavily to Joe and I'm curious to get your feedback about how universal this is or if it is specific to like my experiences and my narrative but Joe has this huge element to her character and her goals and her life and her perspective where she's just looking for significance like she wants to make a life on her own and she knows she's smart, and she knows she has things to contribute, and she just wants to be recognized for them, and compensated for them, and feels a little nutty that, like, why can't the world see me, recognize me, validate me, pay me, like, why I'm so special at doing this thing, or these things, like, why am I not being seen for all of this hard work, and I just was like, <sighs> that sounds like such a strong narrative of every successful young woman professional, maybe not even young, just woman professional. Like, why am I not being recognized for the work that I'm doing? It was and heavy. It was, I think that's, I think that's why we all, it's as brash as Joe is, as there's definitely some elements where you can criticize her character and maybe don't want to relate on like an objective level. Like, I think there's a reason she propels us along the storyline because there is an independence to her spirit that I think we all feel or want to feel. And there is so much that she brings forward as she brings us through I I'm trying to think of the words or find the words especially but yeah yeah I mean and her independence made her weird in some ways like I mean especially in her time right um but she did what she wanted she said what she wanted she did what she had to do a lot of times to support her family um and there were many ways that she got looked over not just in her writing, but like in her life, she, you know, didn't get the Paris trip that she thought she deserved. And the whole Lori thing, she decided she finally, she finally came to terms with that like emotional side of her. And then he was married to Amy. Um, and just like, I think that part was really relatable f 
for me that she saw all these things and was just like a little late to the game. Like I'm sure we've all had those moments in our lives where we've worked really hard in one area and then realized we were lacking a little bit and then we were a little too late to see the beautiful thing that could have come from us working a little harder if we had that balance in our lives. I'm really glad to hear you say that because I was curious of one of the reasons why maybe it was individualistic to me and not universal is because I totally have little sister syndrome. As much as I love my brother and he is my favorite person in this world, uh, we did not get along until we were like junior high age. So, <laughs> and before that, all I wanted to do was be loved and appreciated by him. And all he wanted to do is get me the hell away from him. I really felt like I got an easy way out that I had a person so similar to me that got to do things two years ahead of me and paved the way. Um, and I got, I definitely got like brought in like bedtimes when they would increase like inherently our bedtimes would just be the same like it was just too much to do two children on two different times or anything like that so his bedtime increased my bedtime increased that sort of thing but like we were interested in the same activities so going into high school I already knew I wanted to do speech and he like encouraged me to do it and get involved in musical and like all of these really great communities or I don't think I would have stuck with orchestra if he hadn't been in it and super grateful for the friendships that we share because we were in these activities together. But he had the hard lifting of like deciding that these things were interesting and worthwhile and putting the time and energy two years before I got to just kind of slide in behind him and be introduced into everything. <laughs> well, as you were talking, I went a little bit um, into therapist Katie mode and was Oh, I love this Katie mode. I wish you'd get certified. <laughs> <laughs> I think you even more solidified your Amy persona. Oh, actually, because I, I mean, it it sounds like you were the type of little sister to Jesse that Amy was to Joe. I mean, they had these back and forths. Amy was talking to Lori about like how she was always under Joe's shadow. And then Joe is like, and he always gets out of the hard parts of life kind of thing. And it's interesting that you were reflecting on that <laughs> <laughs> for Jesse, but. You're right. God, he should be way more resentful of me than he is. Maybe that'll come out. <laughs> anyway, Therapist Katie is closed. I love it. Oh my gosh. I. Yeah, I got really lucky that my older sibling doesn't resent. Joe really resented her. That one really came out because I'm in two ways. <laughs> Katie, question for you. So I talked about like identity a little bit and speciality, and we've talked about sisterhood. Did you have any themes that you felt like were really prominent that you connected to? Do you want to tell me what me to tell you what I guessed would be one that you were going to be particularly inclined toward? Yes. And like the concept of freedom and what that looks like. I thought you were going to really grasp to that. Yes. Uh, I mean, the line that Meg said that stands out to me is, along the lines of like what I want looks different from what you want but it doesn't make it less important I just refelt it <laughs> a ping in my heart <laughs> oh it's such an important message and I have such a struggle with myself um maybe the Joe part of myself coming to terms with that with my people in my life who you know aren't always taking the next step forward, whatever forward means in their careers, maybe, um, and are choosing to, you know, settle down and take a slower pace of life because other things are more important to them than the job. And yeah, that, as I'm realizing that people are only human, mm. that was very important. But yes, the, the idea of freedom there stood out to me. Where else did you think it stood out? Well, I think 
having it set in the Civil War really early on just set that as a kind of a tone, the concept of freedom and what that looks like and what people are able to do with it or what constrictions were happening because of the lack of it and inherently then what roles were being played and what acting out against that would look like or against societal norms. And so seeing the role Marmy, the mom, played Mm -hmm. in the community and having her be a huge philanthropist who helped the needy, who helped with war preparation and that connectivity that she brought forward but she was such a provider in that way that she did it in a very feminine way but there was so much heavy lifting in that that it was like isn't that the truth that like women are soft but so goddamn strong yes it's just like she was a really great pivotal character in it where you don't feel like she's constricted and then you hear a little bit more about the burdens that she's carrying and you're gonna see some of her interpersonal reactions to things and you're like she has feelings and oh god she she might have been one of my favorite characters like I, you, you can't I actually choose, think right? you're her. I think you're her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're not a sister at all. I think you're actually Marmy. <laughs> you're my Marmy. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. <laughs> in my phone, you're Cater Tot, but I might have to be, like, in the company line, like, Marmy. <laughs> Is there, like, a weird, like, uh, celebrity mashup we could do, like, Carmy or something like that? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'll do anything at this point. <laughs> uh, uh, the strength and vulnerability that she showed, maybe the strength in her vulnerability as a mother, as a wife, as a woman, as a post-Civil War human. Um, there was one scene where she was helping out um, at like, it was like an outpost or something for soldiers and their families. And there was a black woman standing next to her also helping and Marmy said something to the tune of, I'm, I was so mad at our country. And the black woman says something like, you still should be. <laughs> She's like, I hear that. <laughs> and just, uh, she gives when she doesn't have anything to give. And that was beautiful. I loved her reflection of I think I think a lot of us want to be at our end point right now like at our best like our absolute best in our life we always wanted to be like the next minute or the next day or like you know what you're you're always capsulating on it and I think that can be really frustrating to be striving for that constantly where you're like I want to be right there like I want to be at the finish line right now and you're like but Mackenzie, you have 60 more years of life. <laughs> That'd be really frustrating if that happened right now. There's the logic of it, but it doesn't help with the feeling like it's like impending. Like I need to be right exactly perfect 100% right now there. And so Marmy's scene where she's talking to Joe and saying that she's angry almost every day of her life and it's something that she's had to just her talking about her journey and the longevity of it's just such a it seems like time should be like an inherent thing that we all understand like a life is typically this amount of time and like this is a typical progression but we glorify like success in every moment and that you have to be there and be the next best and the next best and very strict terms in which we define the next best and so I was like damn maybe I'm angry every day of my life like I Marmy what a queen (laughs) like what a absolute what a matriarch what a matriarch yes Yes, she is. 
Oh, and you could see each of her daughters reflected in her and she sees them. Like there were so many moments, especially between her and Joe, where she absolutely sees who they are, what they're struggling through, and she's there to help them. But she's also doing her own thing. She leaves to help to nurse her husband back to health the Civil War. She um, is, you know, volu not volunteering. She's going to help feed people on Christmas Eve rather than helping her family have a nice meal together, things like that. What do you think about Miro Streep as grandma or aunt? Great aunt. Oh my god. <sighs> I didn't expect that to be what her character was. Like, I was like, Meryl Streep's in it. Like, great. Like, Meryl Streep's the right cast. What show is that? Is Modern Family when he's like, she could be Batman. That would be the right choice. <laughs> like, absolutely. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I have no complaint. I, no critique. Um, but <laughs> I was expecting her to be kind of a marmy character and great juxtaposition I mean in terms of fulfilling and showing women in all perspectives and personalities and her being combative like a combative old strew just makes me so happy but and I love that you specifically quoted earlier um Meg, because I actually do have a little list of my favorite quotes, and Meryl Street, of course, has, her character has two on it. Oh. Yes. Okay, go. Okay. It is possible to be right and foolish, and I may not always be right, but I am never wrong. And I just love, so she says that in reference to Marmy and the work she does in the community. And I was just thinking about everything that's happening in our country now and some of the progressive movement and the perspectives on it and I, I think a lot of times being Midwestern, like a lot of the narrative I hear is actually a lot more about like practical, like the practical aspects of it. Like like trying to put it in terms of dollar amounts or like that sort of thing and so I think a lot of times the narrative is that it's foolish like it's it's something that's immeasurable and it's something that you can't equate and you can't it's and I love the concept of like you can be right and foolish like like kind of like surrender to the moment and feel the intuition of it all and then approach it. <laughs> Katie just looks like the happiest little sponge there's ever been. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you know, did you ever have in, in school like those little smiley um like <laughs> french fry-y things oh yes <laughs> like that's kind of what you <laughs> look like <laughs> you're just like a happy <laughs> you just turned cater tot into the little smiley cater tot things yes yes <laughs> okay i have a few more quotes for you okay so back to marmy joe don't let the sun go down on your anger forgive her help each other and you begin again tomorrow that's the advice that marmy gave that specifically reflected what she was talking about with being in that perspective and such like a mom comment a little bit it also kind of oddly like oddly reminds me of like the advice that every couple gets where it's like don't go to bed angry <laughs> okay i have more quotes for you okay go for it this is an Amy quote that was a turning point for me to start being more open to the possibility that she was my character. <laughs> Why be ashamed of what you want? I was like, preach, girl. Preach the truth. Yes. And like, what did that mean to you? I think it's hard to take up space and to take ownership and to... I get really worried that I'm going to say that I want something and then I'm going to not get it and I'm going to have to explain and I I don't I think a lot of people are uncomfortable setting goals they don't want to achieve but 
I'm really worried it's going to be into the narrative that like I'm not special and that I'm not chosen and that they didn't say I was special and then it's going to be a whole domino fight that nobody will and then I'm gonna die alone as a spinster with no book <laughs> gotta have one or the other man <laughs> let me live <laughs> I also somehow think my value to like significant others is like my work ethic <laughs> somehow like they want to see my resume <laughs> which <laughs> hasn't gone well for me if you yeah. consider dating apps as a resume <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for using the language of taking up space with that. That was important. Thank you. Okay, I have two more quotes for you. <clears throat> this one is from our main girl, Joe. It's in a moment of frustration. Women have minds and souls as well as just hearts, and they've got ambition and talents as well as just beauty. And I'm sick of people saying love is all women is fit for. That's like our conversation about the ending, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. You don't have to have just love and you don't have to have just what, just what Joe wanted. You can have it all. Can you have it all? That's for you to decide. <laughs> but I also think it's just like, it's, interesting to think about the things that I was taught as a kid and how there was definitely more that was taught to me that wasn't taught to my brother that had to do with being perceived and received and palatable and presentation and elements like that um and not so much about my skill set or my my other things in which I would bring to the world so I I just think that's really strong like I I think we all want to be fully seen and fully understood and I like seeing Joe's very strong advocacy on that throughout the film it's like you go oh thank you thank you for taking the front marching line on that one Ms. March can you, great pun, first of all. But can, all you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine? I guess this is a two part question. Can you imagine that they were having these conversations and that this dialogue was written 150 years ago and that it's still relevant today? Can you believe that? <laughs> is that fair? Is that right? Idiot. I'm so glad you asked because this leads directly into my last quote for you. Okay. And it's actually, it's the exchange. I'm going to do a whole exchange. So these are between the sisters, but I specifically grabbed the quotes that were between Joe and Amy. So Joe starts it off. It's, it's a conversation toward the end of the, I'll, I'll set the scene. It's a conversation toward the end of the movie. Um, and the three sisters are together. It's after the death of the one sister and the one who passed away um, prompts Joe to write, a, write down their stories from their life together and speak them to her. And so um, Joe had just submitted this and was saying like, I don't think it's going to, anything's going to come of it. I wasn't really going to tell anybody that I did it because like nothing's going to come of this. And so this is kind of their exchange after that. So the sisters were prompting, like, what's the book about? And Joe responds, it's just about our little life. Amy responds, so? Joe, who'll be interested in a story of domestic struggles and joys? It doesn't have any real importance. Amy, writing doesn't confer importance. It reflects it. Joe, I'm not sure. Perhaps writing will make them more important. We and our interactions every day as women are so important. We can take up that space. Well, and again, I feel like you got to have this dramatic moment in your episode. And I will say, as we're framing our conversations for the rest of our podcast, like how important was that for the whole reason we're doing this is to elevate 
narratives that are not being discussed or recognized as they should as significant human experiences. And not to get political, but my girl Hillary Clinton with women rights are human rights. This transcends through how we talk about women and how we show women. And it's, it's a prism. Reflecting. I did read a review going into this because I wanted to, I was curious what people were saying about it. It's definitely got a lot of awards. It deserves way more awards. As they're talking about the, the timeline and the creative aspects of telling the story, I thought there was one particular quote that really encapsulated the reason behind it. And I'll go in a little bit more into it. But he said, he talked about the time jumping as memory ahead of experience. And that was A.O. Scott in Little Women Review. This is a, this movie is big, the New York Times, but memory ahead of experience. And I've been thinking a lot about, I don't know if you've had this described to you as this, but memory and emotions, emotions have memory and it's kind of like muscle memory. And so, you know, you feel, and I just felt like this did that for me, like seeing their characters, like had a lot of triggers for me in terms of being able to immediately bring up what it felt like to be at that age or be in a similar situation or have a similar dynamic between the characters as I have in my life. And I was just like, that's, I think, why I was able to so closely track with every step of the way was just its memory ahead of experience. And then to have that 150 years between this, this memory of the author and our experiences, there's something beautiful about that connectivity. There's something really sad about how in some ways little we've come. I mean, and again, the, the people who would be calling me foolish, they would think they're right in pointing out suffrage and other feminist movements. And, but power dynamics are important and they are pervasive and they affect every situation in which anybody goes about. And women and others have not benefited from that. Um, and so it's a really dramatic, I feel like I'm ending it on kind of like a dramatic note so far as like the, <laughs> it's pulling through for me that this is all making sense. The story is a coming of age story. And for me seeing and reflecting on the things in my life up to this point that make me who I am, inform me in my decisions, but don't define me if I don't want them to, because I take care of myself and I have done things like go to therapy and done self-care and I can recognize who I am and how I've gotten to this point. Having that back and forth style of this directorship and knowing that like, you know, our pasts are part of us, but they don't define who we are in the future if we don't want them to. And we're at this pivotal, pivotal time in our lives where we get to decide. And it's terrifying because we get to make all these decisions for, you know, for a few years now, but it's, it's been, it's still the first time in our lives that we are making these decisions. It is terrifying, but it's so freeing. And we are still coming of age. And if, if all the middle to older age people I know say, I still don't know what I want to do with my life, or like, I'm still scared, it makes me terrified, but so excited because we are always going to be experiencing this feeling of coming of age and moving on to the next thing and growing and learning. I think that's beautiful. And I think this story 
showed it really well. If nothing else comes out of this conversation, just please, please watch it. Please share your thoughts on it. If you have the opportunity, give us a text, give us, you know, a comment, a, a tweet. Slide into our DMs. Oh, please do, please do. Because um, genuinely, I am so curious. Hey, Katie, great talking. We'll, uh, we'll check in with how you're sitting with this. I know you said you want to really ferment on it. So we got you at 24 hours after, and uh, we'll catch you in a week. Give you a, a good full time period to sit with it. So, uh, see you in a week. Yeah, see you in a week after I marinate. <laughs> marinate. <laughs> <laughs>